How is everybody today? Good time of worship? Everybody healthy? Enjoying life? Good. So, <clears throat> Rex is on sabbatical, uh, which is, is a very good thing. And we as a church, I think, should be glad that he's on sabbatical because it's a time when he gets to go and focus on the Lord and just rekindle his fire with the Lord. If you study scripture, especially the life of Jesus, you'll see on several occasions where the Bible specifically tells us that Jesus went to a solitary place to be with the Lord, went to a solitary place to pray. And Jesus went to a solitary place to pray. Um, And so that's what Rex is doing. And so uh, the good news is he's going to come back after 10 days of focusing on just him and the Lord. The bad news is that for the next two weeks, you got to listen to me. Um, So... That's your, uh, that's your help. That's your little insight that next week, if you want to play hooky, you can because Rex won't be here. He'll never know. So if you want to skip church, next week's a good time. You're already here today, so if you walk out now, I'll know you're just doing it. That'll hurt my feelings. But if you don't come next week, I may not pay attention. Um, and usually when Rex is gone, I will just stay in the series that Rex is doing. So if he's preaching through John, I'll take whatever chapters he's coming up to, and, and we just kind of tag team and work together on that. But since he gave me two weeks in a row, I, I wanted to share with you guys a, a series that I've done before um, at other churches. And so this week we're going to talk about the role of a pastor, what we as a church can and should expect out of our pastor. What, what's their role? As, as their pastor, because a lot of those things get uh, kind of discombobulated sometimes. And so we're going to talk about that this week. And then next week, the sermon is going to be on what the pastor can expect us as a church, because that's also one of those things that isn't always clearly communicated. So, um, and it's easier, I think, for, I think it's easier for me to, to share these kind of messages with you, because I've been there, but I'm not there um, and it's not Rex standing up here saying, this is what you should expect from me, and, um, or this is what I expect from you. And so I, that, that's one reason I wanted us to be able to do it while he was gone. Um, but he has, I will tell you that he's approved the messages, so he knows what I'm saying um, today. So I'm not, I'm not blindsiding him with anything or throwing extras in there. Okay? And I'm dumb, so I forgot. We have kids at Bear Lake this weekend. Um, I think about 18 of them. If it's not 18, don't, don't question my delta mass i think it was going to be about 18 so if there's not 18 up there i didn't specifically count them but but they're at bear lake michigan this weekend for a retreat and these kind of things are fantastic i think for our young people because it gives them a chance to be together to build some relationships to learn more about the lord to grow closer to the lord and have some strength in numbers and some encouragement from people that they go to school with and they get some time focused on it. So they're, they're there this week. Paul said the Lord is moving. He's doing things in kids' lives. And I'm very happy to hear that. And um, he asked us to pray for them. So I wanted to put the picture up there. And uh, let's pray for them before I get completely into my message here. God, you're so good to us. Uh, and you've given us kids. Um, and we love them. And... We care about them, even even if they're not ours, Lord. All of us here at this church see all the little little nuggets running around and, and uh, are happy that we have young people. Because, Lord, the young people are the future of our church. They're the ones that someday, when, when we're not here anymore, they're the ones that will continue to lead and they'll teach and they'll share and they'll, they'll, they'll evangelize. And so, Father, 
I just pray that you be with them this week. Strengthen them. Just strengthen their relationships with each other. Help them to build some solid friendships. Help them to draw closer to you. Lord, move your Holy Spirit in a way that they are not expecting and get their attention and, and get inside of their hearts and bring them back to us, Lord, on fire. We just praise you and we give you, we give you all of the glory and all of the praise that will come from what happens. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. So, you might notice my voice a little bit raspy. Uh, they asked me to help coach middle school girls basketball. And so I've been doing that and I'm a quiet one. So somehow I lost my voice. I know you guys think I'm probably the quiet one because I'm pretty shy. So, uh, so that's where my voice has went. So if you look somewhere on a basketball court in Northwest Ohio, it might be there. So if you find it, bring it back to me, but we're going to get through it. Just if I, my voice cracks, like I'm a 13 year old, it's okay. Just chuckle with me and let's move on. All right. Fair enough. Because it might. I, I have no control. I really have no control over anything. So why is it important for us to understand the role of a pastor? Why, why do we as a church need to know that? Because many of you have come from, this church is only 12 years old. Maybe 13, we might be at 13 or 14 now, but it's in the 12 to 15 range. And there are several of you in, the, of you in here that are older than 15 years old, um, myself included. So We've all come from a different church to come to this church, right? So we come with different ideas. In in different churches, different backgrounds have different ideas on what this guy or this girl should do and what their role is, right? If you're in the Catholic church, the Catholic church has priests, and priests are not allowed to marry, and they're... They're in all of that kind. So they have one expectation of their leaders. They call them, and they call them priests. And they're not up front and they're not in all of their robes. And they call them father. And they wear that little black collar with the little white square there so that you know that they're clergy. And then if you've grown up, you might have grown up in a Baptist church. And Baptist churches have one idea of what the, they, most Baptist churches, the pastor's it. He runs the show. And then you might be from a church of Christ. And in the church of Christ, the elders pretty much run the show. And they direct the pastor where they want the pastor. To go. So everybody comes with different ideas of what a pastor does. And some of you may not even care. You, you might just be, man, I show up, I listen to that great worship on Sunday morning, and then I check out for a little bit because some dude talks for a while, and then I go home. I, I don't know where you're at, but all of us are probably somewhere in there. And so it's important for us to understand what the Bible says we should expect of our pastor and our pastors because we have other people on staff. And so just so you know, I had to give this lesson earlier. Those of you that have read documents before, the when it says the masculine going forward will also include the feminine. When I say pastor, if I just say singular, I actually mean plural. So all of our ministry staff that's here, I'm including them as we go through here today. Some play different roles, but, and they have different specialties, but they all, all of these expectations and all these things are, are them as well. So I'm going to keep it close for you today because we're going to be in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. The problem is I, I can't count very well, so we're going to go to 2 Timothy first, and then we'll go back to 1 Timothy. So if you want to open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4, we're going to look at one thing, what I think is the first and most important responsibility that our pastors have to us. Let me correct that. The, most respon- the biggest responsibility that our pastors have to the Lord. Probably should make sure you understand that that's what I'm saying. All right? Because they really really don't work for us. They really work for him. If you need a Bible, we have some. If you want to raise your hand, we got some on the back table. Somebody come get you one. Um, 
and I don't know, did we, I, don't, I'm, I don't put the page numbers up on there, so I don't know if it'll be on there or not. But we're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. I think it's like page 930, if you have one of our few Bibles. So in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, beginning in verse 1, Paul says this. I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom, preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not, patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They'll reject the church and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. So, who is this letter written to? Timothy, very good. You guys are right on top of it, I'm glad. It's written to Timothy by a guy named Paul. Anybody ever heard of Paul? Kind of important in the, in the whole scheme of Christianity. He played a pretty big role, right? So, Paul writes this letter to a young pastor named Timothy. And we don't know, we don't know how young he is. Um, actually, some studies will say that at that time, they, it could have been as young as 40. So in my current state of, uh, of life, 40 is like a spring chicken. I mean, it's like the beginning of life. It's almost like he's still in, he's still in kindergarten or something because 40 is pretty young. Is what it, there were times in my life when 40 seemed old, but now it seems very young. So Paul is writing this to Timothy, a young pastor, and as he writes this letter to Timothy, he's giving Timothy ideas and thoughts and commands and all of this stuff on what he's supposed to be doing, what Timothy really should be focusing on. And 2 Timothy chapter 4 is toward the end of the book. So these are like the last few things that Paul is going to say to Timothy. And, one of the th- and what he says is, preach the word. The most important thing that our pastors do for us, the most the, the biggest responsibility they have in sight of God is to preach to us the word. That's why we have them. Preach the word. Now, Paul puts a little pressure on Timothy. I don't know if you guys paid attention to that or not, but how does he open up chapter 4? In the presence of God and Christ Jesus. Anybody feel any pressure yet? What Paul says is, hey, Timothy, I'm going to sit in God and Jesus in the front row. While you're preaching. Okay? So they're going to be in the presence of God and Jesus. Preach the word. Be prepared in season. Out of season. If you read the New International Version. In here it says whether the season is, is nice or not. Whether, whether people actually want to hear it or not. Preach the word. We don't always like. <laughs> we always like to be preached to though, do we? See, the, we're, because then Paul goes on to say. These are the three things that I want you to do while you're preaching. I want you to preach to correct, to rebuke, and to encourage. You see those in there when you look in the scripture? Paul says, do these three things. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference in correction, rebuking, and encouraging? This is how I decided to share it with you. Since, since I already told you I coach basketball, if I have a girl that gets to the half-court line and chucks a shot because she felt like shooting it, what am I going to do to her? 
the first time she does it. I'm going to say, hey, Sally, we might be able to work for a little better shot than just chucking it from half court. That's probably not our best effort, right? I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get mad. She, she, she probably should have known better from practice, but you would think a coach would have taught her that beforehand. But if we didn't, then we're going to correct her. Now, I've corrected her. I gave her some wisdom. I shared with her, hey, that's probably not a good idea. So then the ball comes back down the floor the next time. Sally has it again. And Sally chucks another half-court shot. So now what am I going to do? I'm going to rebuke her. And what is a rebuke? A rebuke is, hey, you're screwing up. I know you don't necessarily say that, but it's a little more forceful. It's a little more in your face. It's a little more, hey... Before I was trying to redirect you, trying to teach you, maybe there's a better way, maybe we could do it differently. But a rebuke is, hey, you're really messing up, and I'm trying to save you from trouble. What I'm telling that girl, Sally, is if you take another one of those, you're going to be sitting beside me. Right? So there's a difference. And then after I rebuke her, After she takes that second half-court shot and I chew her out a little bit from the sideline and tell her, don't shoot another one like that, you're going to be sitting beside me, then what do I do? Then I tell her, I know you're very good. It's like that 10-foot jumper, so go take that 10-foot jumper. What's that? It's encouragement, right? And so what Paul says to Timothy is when you're preaching the word, do all of those things. All of those things have to happen. You see, what has happened in, in the world today is there are preachers and there are pastors that are afraid to preach the word. They're afraid to actually say what the Bible says. Because I can tell you, I have a Bible at home that when I read something and I don't like what it says, I rip the page out. That's not true. I really don't. But I would like to, right? How many of you ever read some of the scriptures that, oh, I don't like that. Let's just take it out. Okay, right? He, one, of my, one of our pastors has their hand up. I love it. Okay, so... If we have that by, we rip it out because there are things in scripture that are hurtful. There are things in scripture that tell me I am not as good as I think I am. And I'm certainly not as good as my parents think I am, right? And that's what scripture is for. And as a pastor, as a pastor here, when, when preaching the word, it's their responsibility to give us those messages. Maybe even sometimes that we don't want to hear. Sometimes I say it this way. I put it on your lap. If it falls on your toes, that's on you. Because some people say, oh, he stepped on my toes today. I, I'm not stepping on anybody's toes because I'm standing up here. Nobody's got any toes up here. But there are times I'll put a message in your lap and it may fall off and it may end up on your toes. And that's, it. that's you. That's between you and God. Right? You know, even sometimes as a pastor, people in church get really misdirected. Right? You can love Jesus. You can be a solid follower of Christ and you can still lose your way. We all know that, right? And the pastor oftentimes has to have those conversations. The pastor usually is the one that has to sit down with those people and let them know, hey, this direction that you're headed really is going to lead you into lots of trouble. And... Other, other things are happening. And I, I, I want to tell you, those are not enjoyable conversations for pastors to have. And most of you, if you get to know most pastors, most of them are, most of them like to be liked. Most of them, 
they're in it because they care about people. And if you really care about people, you, you want people to understand that you care about them. And you, you don't want to make people mad. But some, sometimes you have to do that. And, and Paul tells Timothy, a young pastor, don't let people look down on you because you're young. But do this while you're preaching. I want you, I want you to be willing to correct them. I want you to be willing to, to rebuke them. But I also want you to be able to encourage them. Give them that hope. Because you see, the one thing that is most important for us to always understand as followers of Christ is no matter where we are, there's always grace that can find us. There's always hope that can save us. There's always love that can pull us out. We're never in a place where we can't come out. And that's the heart of the pastor. That's where the pastor says, hey. And they pray a lot. And they gather people around them to pray with them. And then they sit down with people and they say, uh, I really don't want to be the one that shares this with you, but, but I have to. One of the churches I pastored, there was a lady that had been there. She had been there longer than, maybe longer than the church. Um, she'd been there a long time. And so we would, it was a smaller church, and we would have, we would have funeral dinners. And she often was in charge of the funeral dinners. And she, I've always tried to figure out how to say this. In a loving way. But she was nasty. I mean, just mean. And everybody had always just said, well, that's just her. And so we had like, we, we had a stretch where we had two or three funeral dinners within a relatively short amount of time. And I had more than one person come to me that said they didn't ever want to work a funeral dinner again. And people were not staying around because... When they were at a funeral dinner with her, they, they were like, well, hey, this, isn't, this isn't good. Now, what's my role in that as a pastor? Well, you know, that's just her. You, you go find another church because we, we're not going to deal with her. Is, is that our role? You see, sometimes, sometimes, we, sometimes we need to be told we're not okay. Ever understand that? It's not because... He doesn't love us. When, when Rex steps on my toes, because sometimes he like stomps on them and backs up and hits them again. It's not because he doesn't love me. It, it's because he does love me. So preaching the word, that's his biggest responsibility. That's, that's Dave's responsibility. He, Dave does it through music. Paul does it with the kids, with the teenagers and the middle schoolers. Jen does it with the little kids. Share the word with them. Know the word. And be able to help them understand it. So, what's the second responsibility that they have? Now we're going to go back to 1 Timothy. And I think it's page 926, if I remember correctly. Uh, in, your, in those Bibles, if you're, if you're using one of our Bibles. Those little red things back there. Beginning in verse 11. Paul says this. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, your faith, and your purity. Hear me, church. Because this is hard. I always struggle with sharing this passage of Scripture. Because it is the responsibility of our pastors to lead us by example. But what I'm always fearful will happen when I say this in a church is that people will hear 
that I've said they, that the pastors have to be perfect. That they have to always have it together. That they can't ever mess up. That they can't ever have a struggle. That they can't ever need help. That they can't ever go through a rocky time. That they can't ever really struggle. Because that's, that's tragic for people in the church to feel that way. Because our pastors are still people. Right? They're still human beings. They are, we do not have Jesus preaching every Sunday. I feel we have a fantastic reflection of Jesus, but we do not have Jesus. We do not have Jesus working with our children. We do not have Jesus working with our youth. We do not have Jesus working with our worship. We have people that Jesus is using, but they're still people, right? Everybody understand that? But it is their responsibility to to live a life that reflects what they teach. Right now, I work at, I, I, don't, I don't do police work anymore, but I, I used to be a policeman that actually did police work. And, and there's a chain of command in, in law enforcement. It's not, nearly, it's not nearly as strict as the military, but, but it's, it's there still. But when I was a patrolman, there were sergeants that I wouldn't have followed out of a burning building. I worked for some sergeants. They could have told me the exit was that way, and the building is crumbling around us. And they could have said the exit is that way, and I would have went the other way just because they're not even smart enough to find you. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Am I the only one ever worked for somebody like that? Right? You know what I'm talking about? It's the same thing with our pastors. If our pastors don't show to us that they really love the Lord and they really know the scriptures and they've, they've dug in there and they've gotten good, they've gotten good information and they've, they've wrestled with some of these passages, then we're probably not going to follow them for a long time, are we? And so it's important for them to lead by example. It's also, Paul says it this way, I want you to follow me as I follow Christ. So Paul says, I'm going to follow Jesus as best as I can. And so I want you to be able to follow me. And that's what our pastors should do for us. They, they should be, we should be able to look to our pastors and see people trying to follow Jesus. But we have to understand this. Their kids aren't going to be perfect. We're not hiring their kids. Their spouses may not even be perfect. They are not even perfect, are they? And so in that moment, we're going to talk about some of this more next week and the expectations of us as a church. But when we look at our pastors, we, we have to understand that they're human, but expect them to lead by example. It's hard, isn't it? It's hard to not expect somebody to be perfect when you're setting them up there to follow. But that's what Jesus asked us to do. He says, hey, Timothy, what I want you to do is don't let people look down on you because you're young. Because they will. I was 23 when I started pastoring a church. That did not work out well, I can tell you that. But don't let them look down on you because you're young. You, You lead for them. You set them an example. And then what does he say to set them an example in? All of the things that matter, right? Set them an example in the way that you love people. Set them an example in your faith. Set them an example in purity. 
set them examples so that they can see what it means to follow Christ and what really gets us through our Christian life. Isn't it our faith? Isn't that how we, isn't that how we, we accept Jesus through faith? We, we're given grace. So Paul tells Timothy, these are the things I want you to, to show them an example in. How to love people. How to take care of people. How to love the Lord. It's not by accident that on all of our stuff you see love God, love people. Love God, love others. Go be the church. What does it mean to be the church? To be the church means to go love others after you love God. It's not by accident. that That's what we do. Right? So when Paul tells Timothy, set him an example, remember, we have very, I, I got to tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you. The first time Rex asked me to preach here, he had, we had talked about my background. The first time that he asked me to preach, I was trembling. I was very nervous because I believe that God is doing such a good work here in this church. And I believe that he's put people in leadership positions like our pastors that really, really love Jesus. And they really, really love people. And when he asked me to stand up here and fill in for him, I was very nervous about that because I don't want to mess up what God's doing here. Because I really believe that, I, I believe that lots of good things are going to continue to happen here. And it's because of the work of the Lord and those that lead us. We're very blessed, very, very blessed to have who we have leading us. Never forget that. So then also in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 4, there in verse 13. So you don't even have to move. See how much I love you? Paul says this, until I get there, I'm coming I'm going to come see you, but until I get there, this is what I want you to focus on. Reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, and teaching them. Now, it's that third one that I really, we've talked a little bit about the other stuff, reading scripture, being, preaching the word and that kind of stuff. We've talked about those a little bit. But it's that third one that I want us to look at. We have some educators in here, right? We have some people that work in the education system in here. Why do we teach? Timothy, Paul tells Timothy to teach them. Why do we teach? <laughs> Obviously for nothing. <laughs> we teach so that people can learn, right? Okay, I'll get, your, I'll get your head nodding a little bit. We'll move a little bit. Okay, we'll move a little more, a little more. All right? So we teach them so that we can learn. What do we want them to learn? What we're teaching them. <laughs> That's my way to answer it. Right? But really, what are we trying to teach them? We start at a young age and we start teaching them things. But what's the overall scheme of learning we're trying to do all the way through the education system? We as parents pay for them to do this for our kids. Get them out of the house. Right? I'm mean, I've told my kids before, every one of my kids at one point in their life or another has been told, the only reason you're alive right now is because you owe me grandkids someday. That's going to be my reward. That's going to be my reward for not killing you is going to be my grandkids. You guys don't ever feel that way about your kids. 
<laughs> you just don't want to admit it. That's okay. <laughs> but we teach them so that they can learn, and we have to teach them young to learn the little things, and then we teach them a little more. And, we, and then we take what we learned in first grade, and we add to it in second grade. And we take what we learned in first and second grade, and we teach them in third grade. All the way up through, some of us go through college, and some of us become, <laughs> some of us become students for life. I don't know how that works, but some people become students for life. It's okay. But what our real goal is, is we're teaching them, is that they'll go out there and they'll actually do something, right? That they'll actually make a difference, that they'll actually be able to serve, or they'll actually be able to do a job, and they'll be able to provide for themselves, and they can eventually get out of my basement, right? What a lot of people don't understand with, as churches when we talk about pastors is that, is that we actually pay our pastors to make us work. Because the responsibility of the church to be the church is actually yours and it's mine. It's our pastor's job to teach us how. To teach us how to love people. To teach us how to support people. To teach us how to make people understand and and understand life and and how God works into it and and understand faith. And and it's, it's the pastor's job to teach us how to live as Christians. And then it's our job to go live as Christians. Everybody understand that? Paul said, while I'm gone, what I really want you to do, Timothy, is read the scriptures to them. Make sure they get the word. They have to understand the word of God. So get it to them. I want you to encourage them, Timothy. Keep them encouraged. If you're always beating people down, they're going to give up. You've got to understand how much God loves you and how much God wants to do for you and how great God is. But then I want you to teach them. I want you to teach them how to love people like I love you. My first job out of college was at Southeast Christian Church, almost 10,000 people. And we had a senior, there was a senior pastor, his name was Bob Russell. I want you to think about this for a minute, because one of the things that some of us think is the role of a pastor is hospital visitation, right? You've been in church, you, maybe not from this church, but if you grew up in some church background, some church, now, the pastor better come see me in the hospital. And 15 people from the church could come see me, but if the pastor didn't come see me, the church didn't love me. I know that from experience. It's out there, right? But I want you to think about that. 10,000 people in a congregation, and you have one pastor that has to get to see everybody in the hospital every day. (laughs) What else is he going to do? That's going to take you most of the day, right? So who should be visiting those people in the hospital? You, right? That's, that's, that's why he should see, we should be taught how to love each other. And if I love somebody, when I see that they're in the hospital, I should want to love them and go see them, right? But now what if I'm the one in the hospital? What's my responsibility? Oh, uh, now, I'm not saying our pastors aren't going to come visit the hospital. But if they don't, we have to understand that 
we're still loved, right? We have to understand that they may not be able to make it all the time. They may not, they may not be able to be there every time I'm in the hospital. And as a, as a member of the church, my, I, my expectation, you won't see anywhere in Scripture where it says, Timothy, go visit everybody that's sick every time they get sick and they're in the hospital. Right? You see him say, you see Paul say, love the people and teach them. Now, I do love you, and our pastors do love us. And if we're in there and they have time, they'll come see us. But is that really a fair expectation of me to have of them? Because what do I really want them to do? What do I really want my pastors to do? If I'm following Jesus, then I really want my pastor to help me be a better follower of Jesus, don't I? I really want the people that are leading in my church to help me be better, to help me strengthen other people, to, to, to help me know what it means to love people, right? I'm going to have the worship team come up. And while they're coming, I really want you to think about this. I'm going to share this with you from, from my heart as a former pastor. You know what really keeps pastors up at night? What really bothers them and what really causes them anguish? People that are struggling. Anyone, you may have heard of being called to the ministry. You may hear sometimes pastors talk about their call. And there is there is a call to ministry. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, if I, woe to me if I don't preach. There, there are certain people that have been called to minister and to do this job. And part of that call to minister comes with a very, very deep desire. Very strong desire. For everyone that you know to be able to understand and love Jesus the way that you do. If you were to sit down and talk with all of our ministry staff, I guarantee you that you would find all of them, all of them want as many of you and as many of them that aren't in here to really get the best grasp of how much Jesus loves you and how much Jesus has done for you and how blessed you are that God sent his son. Because there's something about the call to ministry that says, I'm going to forget everything else. These, these guys can make much more money doing much different things using the gifts and the skills that they have. But they've been called to ministry and God has put, a, has, has put a, a, a finger on their life and has said, I want you to do something special for me. I, I want you to put aside what you could do here on earth and I want you to trust me to bless you. And I want you to trust me to be using you to change lives and other people. And pastors see, pastors see people in the church that are hurting 
and he sees couples in the church that are struggling. And he sees families in the church that are crumbling around them and that are, that are, that are just barely hanging on. And they see lives that at one point in their life had, had been a mess. And, and then that person was brought to Jesus and they, they got on fire and they began to live for Jesus. And, they, and then something happened and they left again. Those are the things that keep good pastors up at night. Those are the things that keep them from sleeping. Those are the things that drive them the most crazy. Because they know within their heart how much God loves those people. And how much God wants those people to to enjoy the grace and the mercy and the life that God has offered them. You want to put a smile on a pastor's face? I'm going to tell you right now, the best way to see a pastor experience unexplainable joy. Be with him when somebody finds Jesus. Be sitting at the table, the kitchen table with them. When they're studying with somebody, they're sharing with somebody, and they're talking with them, they're praying with somebody, and that person looks at them and says, I get it. Jesus, Jesus really loves me. He, he, he really cares about me. He, he, he really did all that to me. He died for me. He, he gave all of that for me. Hey, I, I want him. I, I want him to be part of my life. Nothing makes a pastor any more joyful. Ever. Or, or, to be, or to be talking with someone in a group. And have someone that, that was strong for Christ and, and took a detour. Because we do take detours. It's okay. But someone had taken a detour and went a different way for a while. And they found their way back to the fold. And they're sitting there. And, and as they're coming back to the fold, they're talking with people. And they're sharing their story. And they're, they're sharing, Jesus loved me enough to come get me and bring me back. If you, if you pay attention to the pastor, you'll see it. You'll see this, this joy on his face. Because I can honestly say that all of the good pastors in the world, all of them, care most about your life eternally. And about where you'll spend your eternity. Yes, they care about their family. Yes, they care about their kids. Yes, they love them. But the reason they're doing what they're doing is because they want as many people in the world to be in heaven with him. That song we sang earlier today, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But you know, pastors struggle with that because they know there's people, maybe even in their congregation, that when we all get to heaven, some won't be there. People used to get mad at me when I was preaching and they would say, well, you're just trying to make a big church. I said, no, I'm trying to make a big heaven. I really don't care how many people are in this church building. I care about how many people are there. And I can assure you with all of my heart that that's the desire of all of our staff. It's really all they care about. As we sing today, I want you to just, well, first of all, I want you to be thankful for who we have as leaders. That they do love us that much. And that they do love Jesus that much. And secondly, I, I, I want you just to enjoy. Enjoy the thought that Jesus loves you in a way that you can't explain. In a way that I can't explain, in a way that Rex can't explain, Dave can't explain, Paul can't explain, Jen can't explain. 
Jesus loves you in a way you'll never know. And all pastors want is for you to know it more. Someday, God, someday, God, we'll all be with you. Someday, Lord, we'll be face to face. You and I, I'm going to get to look into your eyes. And God, we have a fantastic staff people here that love you and and can't wait for that day, but Lord, they also can't wait to see all the people that are there. And to to be able to see how how big the true north circle is when we get to heaven. God, give us as a church appreciation for them. God, I pray with all of my heart that you continue to fill them with your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you flood them with it, that you you give them an overabundance, immeasurably more, of your grace and your mercy and your love and, and your, your scriptures that they can teach us and they can share with us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in your son's name that we pray.